Everyone, welcome to episode 144 of the Fitness Devil podcast. We brought back our friend Robert Linkle today. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he is the man when it comes to training older adults. We chat a little bit about uh, the, the, the title older adult versus some of the other more provocative titles that people don't necessarily like. We actually talk a lot about how his clientele drives his culture at his gym, his facility. A big discussion on niching, uh, pros and cons, niching early, and especially how you don't necessarily find your niche. Your niche often chooses you. That's what happened to Robert. Uh, his experience being an educator and his love for it and expanding into more of that space, especially now that we uh, have more time online to spend. And we get into a really heavy conversation and a, a delicate one about reopening gyms, safety standards, and a lot of the circumstance, uh, political discussion around why gyms aren't open yet, and a lot of the argument uh, in that entire realm. So I hope you really enjoy it. I hope it gets you thinking critically. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Fitness Devil podcast. We have a returning guest and a good friend, Robert Lingle, has joined us. What's and up, everybody? If you didn't hear Robert on last time, Robert is easily one of the most well-liked people in our industry. Long before I met him, you know, you'd hear these great, wonderful things about him. He's also the authority on training older adults. So that's, that's something that if you... Outside of... He changed my life. I was just saying... What? I was gonna say you changed my life because like like I now refer to I won't even say the other words because I feel like I'm 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 saying bad things. So now I use older adults for everything. And my <laughs> wife was like, we had this like thing, I'm like, no, you know what? I know the authority on this, and it's actually older adults. He did a oh, survey once yeah. <laughs> with his clients and they did not like elderly power. Or would you call it you called it like, like elderly? <laughs> I can't remember what the name you called it, but you called your fitness class like something like I called it senior strong and they, strong like, like, yeah, they didn't thing. like that at all. <laughs> they like took a marker and crossed it out. They're like, we don't like this. They I, let me have it, man. So we're like, okay, we'll change that. We'll change that real quick. Power elder. Clubhouse where they kind of name everything, right? They're the ones who guide the direction of a lot of the imagery. And I guess your people also take ownership of what your business has grown into. So I suppose that's actually a cool place to go. One of the things I was going to just briefly say was, I, I guess it was about you being the trainer uh, for older adults. Unless someone specializes rigidly in like young athletes, you know, we're all going to be working with quote unquote older adults. And it's a skill set, both the, the social interactions, but also the physical training tools that every personal trainer needs. And it's amazing that this isn't something that, we haven't seen a ton more people doing a lot more work with. But yeah, let's go back to the whole idea of, you know, how your, the clientele that you work with over time, how they've shaped the culture and how they've directed it. I don't know what that experience has been like. You know, a big, a big part of it for us has been just kind of spreading education and light on the idea that older people can still lift weights and train hard. And that's really been like trying to shoot down a lot of the stereotypes and the, you know, the, the myth components of, you know, if you lift heavy or if you lift when you're older, you're going to get hurt and you have to have constant supervision. You can't do anything explosive. You should sit down the whole time while you're exercising. You know, if you train with a resistance training and you have arthritis, it's going to get worse. Like there's so many of those things that we have to kind of bust. And so it's been a big, you know, a big goal of mine. And then my clients really kind of 
um, they take ownership of it of like, yeah, we're going to be, you know, we're going to show that we're, you're capable of training this way and of making great gains and um, kind of set a new standard for that. So we try to highlight, you know, two or three pre-COVID when we were actually in the gym training, we try to highlight two or three clients a week and to show, you know, their, their deadlift progressions, their overhead progressions, you know, trans transferring weights and, you know, being explosive and throwing med balls outside. And these are clients that are 60, 70, 80 years old that, you know, are learned and the progressions are much slower than you would take with a, you know, a younger client, a more athletic client, but we're still able to train them to be, to be athletic and not just to, you know, not hurt anymore. That's really kind of the big thing. You see it in therapy too. Um, I just don't want your shoulder to bug you anymore and then we'll call it good. And they're like, well, I want to golf and play tennis again, you know? So that's a different um, perception and a different effort on how we train and we progress going forward. So that's been a big effort for us. Our clients really embrace it. They, they love the idea. Um, you know, they encourage me to keep teaching and showcasing and, and to uh, try to educate and teach other trainers how to do so with their clients. And, you know, going, it's going pretty good. I guess it's important, and you sort of said it in there, but I'll clarify, that you're not just taking older adults and trying to maintain or slow the rate of, quote, decline. They can improve. They can actually make shit tons of progress, especially Absolutely. if they're relatively trained and they step into it. So it's going to have not just, well, it's certainly preventative, but it's, it's, I don't want to use the term de-aging, but it really kind of is, right? And I've worked with clients who, you know, been in that, especially that 50 age range who were fairly untrained and you can see someone be younger in look and behavior and movement uh, and attitude from a, a lot of dedicated strength training. And it's, it's amazing what they're capable of if you just don't put them in this box and say, you're old, you're fragile, we have to train you this way. Yeah, yeah I, I love that stuff. And this is why, especially when we have anyone on the podcast who has a very specific skill set, you have every, oh, that's wonderful, Caroline going up. Uh, if you guys heard that, sorry about that. It was amazing. Uh, if you have, you have a very broad skill set. You actually are a very, very skilled trainer across the board and a lot of stuff, but you've definitely specialized in an area and then you niche that as well. It's not like you have this very narrow skill set and you wouldn't know what to do with a 20 year old basketball player if they suddenly washed up on your shore, right? You, you have that breadth of knowledge. And I suppose this is a debate we get into as well uh, is, you know, should you niche early? You get these people who say, oh, you've got to get into these narrow little niches and you have to specialize in 38 to 43 year old businessmen who work in finance They've got 1.8 children and make between 110 and 140 thousand dollars a year, and they want to stay lean, right? right. Uh, and that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's you people, pegged that person good, though. Like that's, that's kind of the. Yeah. Forgive my hyperbole in, in being that specific, but we have coaches who've been, you know, in the industry under two or three years, who are trying to get into that space. First of all, anyone, if anybody owns that space, Brian Cron owns that fucking space. Like Brian is going to clean house on you if you're, you know a 2.5 year trainer who's trying to get that clientele. But I'm just shy of my decade anniversary and I run the gamut from, you know, retirees to young athletes and everything in between. And I love that. So actually what are your thoughts. Get, on, yeah. I was going to say, let's get your thoughts on it. Cause it's, it's, it's like, we've, we've had this topic covered, but it's, it, everyone comes at it from a different angle. So and you could totally disagree with that. Cause I think that it was on, I think Jonathan Goodman basically said you should still niche. Um, and, and maybe I'm quoting that wrong. So like, guess where's your head at with that? Because you kind of are niche, but you're not really. 
Yeah, I mean, really, my my niche is focusing on the families that I have because I majority of the people that I train, I train mom and dad, and then I train their parents, and then I train their kids. So I've got I've got kind of a all three generations in there. I'm training a kid to go to Oregon to play football, and you know, I'm putting posts up about him just yesterday up here training. And where I live in El Dorado County, we're allowed to train right now one on ones. Where our studio is, we're not. Uh, oh. But I train his mom and dad, and they were both, you know, college athletes. And then I trained all four of his grandparents, you know, his grandparents and his two nieces, uh, two cousins. And so it's like, we started with the grandparents and I have an area of expertise working with people more like 40 to 80 that have bad backs and hips. I guess I would kind of say that's my, my niche. That's and, you. and that, that's you. yeah, that's me. It's and that kind of, kind of trends where like most of my business is kind of there. But that didn't really start until probably like six or seven years ago. And I'm, I'm coming up on my 20th year. So I've been doing this a long time. I started training when I was 19. But I didn't have an area of expertise by any means until probably 2014. So when, when like, yeah, TOA kind of developed and training the older adult kind of developed then. And it was like, all right, majority of our clients, you know, 60%, they're over 50. They're banged up. They've got some kind of limitation. We've created a system how we kind of progress and develop them it's working really well why don't we try to teach that and try to educate that but it was 15 years of training to of anybody and everybody to try to get kind of get to that point so I think yeah eventually you get a, a, an edge you get something that you're known for but two years in I mean you don't you don't really know I mean don't take this the wrong way but you don't know what you're doing yet I mean you're still entry level you know what I mean you're experiencing and you're training and, and I don't care how many internships you've done and you know, how many books you've read, you got to do this for a while to really be good at it. There's an art to training and it takes time to, to excel at it. Uh, you can be successful early and make money, but do those people stay? Do you have longevity? Do you have reputation rapport? Like all of this starts to come over time. And so in the beginning, it's like train anybody, everybody. It's kind of like speed dating. I kind of joke in it that way of like Olympic lifting and CrossFit and bodybuilding and kettlebells. And you do all that. You learn all that stuff. You train with it all. And you start to find things that really fit you a little bit more. And things that are a little bit more um, dharmatic for you, like a calling for you, something that you're really passionate about. And those things start to kind of funnel down into something that you kind of become known for. But I don't think it really pigeonholes you unless you're just all in and you're that specific. You're 38 to 50. You're making, you know, this much. If, if that's what you're marketing, that's what you're going to get probably. But, you know, people come to me because they've got injuries. Um, I've got a 28-year-old client. I've got a 93-year-old client, you know. Um, but the majority of our business kind of fits in that older demographic. So I can see where that's where most people see me at. But, yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I always say I could recreationally train anyone. But if you needed to specifically trained for something, you know, Dean, you want to do a bodybuilding show. I'm not your guy, but if you want to get a little bigger, I can train you for that. You know, and you want to run a marathon. Okay. I could probably train you to run a marathon. You want to be the best and be on USA track and field magazine. I'm not your, you know, so recreationally I could train anybody. I, I feel well equipped to do that, but to next level it, I'm not your guy. Who can I really work well with people with limitations, older, older generations a little bit. That's, that's my gig. That's where I feel comfortable you know, I think I'm shit in my sleep. <laughs> it comes to me, comes to me in the middle of the night. I'm like, I could do that with Jerry and help him with his shoulder. That's when I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I like how you said that the, you being able to train people recreationally. And I never knew how to put it, but 
but that actually kind of describes what I'll do too, is like, I, I don't like prepping people for powerlifting competitions. I don't like prepping people for bodybuilding competitions. I've put a couple people up on stage and I put people in position. I often will hand them off to a specialized coach once they yeah. get ready for competition yeah. stuff. And, and I prefer that dramatically. Um, I'm not going to be able to get someone to an elite level for, for CrossFit competition, yeah. but yeah, you have all those basic competencies. So I think that comes back, circles back around to what really matters for anyone who's uh, a little newer to their career and trying to learn and think about, okay, well, should I niche or whatever? I still think it's such a valuable thing to be very broad in your skill set. And there's a lot of notable examples, and you kind of said this. I don't know. I don't think you picked your niche. Your niche chose you. That was what I was, uh, yeah. Eric Cressy's uh, CSP, that's what happened. And people think about those guys as, you know, they're the, the best in the world at shoulder mechanics and pitching in Major League Baseball. But if you go into the depth of where they started, Eric's a brilliant guy. But it was sort of a niche that just happened to find them early on, and they really just doubled down and became hyper specialized in. Uh, I think you can look at someone like Ben Bruno, who he's kind of he's known for training celebrities now. Yeah. Ben yeah. started out I'm not mistaken. No way he wanted to Mike. do that at the beginning. <laughs> that wasn't his but thing. He, no. And Maybe. he gained a reputation yeah. as a great trainer. You know, he's writing for publications like T Nation, and then something probably clicked where he ended up going out to L.A. and got his first. No higher level, no high notoriety client. The next thing you know, that just spirals. If he's got the credibility of working with a Kate Upton or a Justin Timberlake or a Clay Thompson, then other people in that space that they know are going to recommend, hey, my trainer, just let's be honest. A lot of the stuff that we see, quote, celebrity trainers, we celebrity trainers are sort of a slur in our world. Well, but it's like the difference of like, how and do you, you see a you, you see a lot of stupid shit with celebrity trainers. They make their clients do a lot of dumb fuckery. But yeah, Ben is probably one of the best trainers in our space and also happens to work with celebrities. But like, that's what I, that's the difference between how it came about. Like, I, I, I'm speaking for Ben at this point, but I don't think Ben set out from like 18. He's like, I'm going to go to move to LA and be a celebrity trainer. He probably thought it was the stupidest job ever. Like, because of the, the slang and stuff, but he kind of just probably got a referral and then he's getting $1,000 an hour and he's like, well, I could do this. And then it was just, then he's kind of naturally funny. And it, he kind of, I don't think he picked it. And that's kind of the weird thing when we talk about niches. It's just like, there seems to be this idea and maybe we're making it up, but the common advice is you got to find your niche and, and niche down early and whatever. But it's like, so you're just going to choose a thing and just like random, like out of a hat. It's like, like a dice, like throw it. Elderly people, or sorry, older adults, football <laughs> players, and yeah. only females. And it's like, what, yeah. what, <laughs> like, it, this doesn't, that seems to be how it goes. And you see these, like, younger kids on their Instagrams or Facebooks be like, I train, da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, how the hell do you even learn how to do that? You're, like, 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Our, our industry is kind of full of that, you know, um, the process that you have to be known for something in this. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of respect to go to that. You know, you, you see the people that have found what they're doing and if they're truly passionate about it and that's excelling for them. But I think the majority, like you said, you, you talk to them and they're like, this wasn't the plan early on. You know, I was supposed to be working with high caliber athletes, throwers, and I wanted to be a coach at the Olympic training center and, you know, complete 180 degree different from where I've ended up now. And I love it. I love every second of it. And there's, um, there's a process that you go through with that. And that's, you know, I'm not big on quoting myself, but if, if I can be remembered for saying something that's, it's, you know, Andrew, as you, you nailed it there, you know, my specialty, it selected me. I was able to um, put out information about what I was doing, what I had gone through, the people that I was able to help and be successful with. And more people kept coming. 
And um, before I knew it, majority of my business was built up around that. And uh, that's, that's kind of how, you know, you're, instead of saying this is what I am, and then trying to make that a reality, you start doing and you figure out what you become, you know, and that's, that was kind of the, the opportunity I had. I fought this for a while. I'm a sports coach, you know, there's more respect there. And I just, I kept trying to do it. And I wasn't good at it. I, I remember specifically, I got a chance to work with a major league baseball player and I was terrible, man. <laughs> he just, you know, the guy was already playing at a pro level. I was covering for another one of my trainers who went to high school with him. And he's like, I'm going on vacation. I just need you to train this guy for three weeks. Just don't screw him up. You know, here's what we got. And I'm looking at him. I do, you know, I'm watching him move. And I'm like, your wrist's really tight, your shoulders and this. Let me try to fix some of this stuff. I want to, clean, you know, change your clean technique. And, and he was just like, you're messing with all my mechanics, everything that got me here. He, didn't, he, he fired me a week and a half in. He called his buddy. He's like, tell this guy I don't want to come anymore. Just tell him I'm not feeling good or something. Tell him whatever you want. And so when my boss got back, he's like, I got to tell you what happened. He didn't like it at all. I don't think you're really good at this. <laughs> I was like, I think you're right, man. That was a wake up for me. You know, I was supposed to be the guy that could do that. And I just, it just did not come natural. So you're going to have opportunities to blow up in your face. And this was a big one, but it really got me thinking. I'm like, why am I fighting this so hard? Why, what's wrong with working with everyday regular folks who actually really need the help? You know, they're hurt. They're trying to improve their quality of life. And I've got some directions, some know-how on how to do that. I think it's a fantastic thing. Why not just embrace that? So I totally cut ties from that and said, I'm going, you know, all, all in on this and um, haven't regretted it since. And your story, like, it's kind of like with me, it's like a lot of the stuff I learned was self-driven based on injury or like whatever, like people have their sport right. or whatever, but you have two hip replacements. Like I, I went through, is it a hip replacement? You had, you had the, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. So good good memory. memory. Yeah, like that probably like (laughs) interest in that probably to be a better human would kind of direct this stuff naturally. And that's kind of why your, your quote unquote niche is kind of you because you're 40 and you have two hip replacements. Yeah, it came 20 years earlier, but there are like some helpful things to learning that stuff. And you kind of just didn't fight it, I guess, because you're already doing it. You were already doing it. I was on a uh, a stream in a class this morning at 13 clients and we've converted. I don't know if you guys have seen this online. We converted our garage into a studio like a full revamp, the whole thing. It looks like a, a gym. It's been really cool. So I'm in there streaming this workout. And one of my, my clients says, you know, why do we do this this way? And it led me on this 10 minute answer. I'm very long winded with everything, but it was, it all came back to, if I knew, you know, then what I know now, I would have thrown further. I would have thrown long, you know, longer in my career, all of this stuff, but it, I probably wouldn't be here right now, mm-hmm. you know, and all these little opportunities, they form your knowledge and your thought process and all that. So those that no longer do they they coach or they teach that's always looked at as in a negative way I think like you can't do it anymore so now you're gonna go coach I'm looking at this as like I had these opportunities to learn they weren't taken from me I you know I hurt myself and I inflicted all this and I learned all these great things now I can affect a whole new generation of people coming through you know Cooper my football player He's like, these guys at these other camps, they're all back squatting this and box squatting that. And should I be doing that? And I'm like, stick with the rack poles, bro. We've got this. You know, think of your athletic positions where you're pulling from. They're doing barbell deadlifts. Why are we doing hex bar? I'm like, trust me. This is, you know, and then he goes to Oregon and his coach there preaching all the same stuff. And I'm like, thank God, you know, like it, it kind of reinforces and backs it up. But if I would have known all that back then, you know, I would have been a way better athlete, but that's not my journey in this anymore. My journey now is to be able to teach others that to spread that further 
you know, people are like, why don't you open another location? You could, you could train more people. We get another hundred people. Let's say I have 200 clients now that I can work with. If I can talk to a hundred other trainers and they all have 50 clients, you know, there's, there's 5,000 people I get to affect now instead of 200, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that kind of process for me is like, let's pay that in, that knowledge forward a little bit and try to share and teach it out to other people. And if, you know, if they want to take that and it leads them in some kind of direction, then, then I'm all for it. Let's, let's go further down that uh, sure. talking point because you are an educator and I know you love it. That's actually how I met you. You visited Edmonton as the, the, the sort of featured presenter at an SCA conference that Jeff Aker put on here. And it, that was amazing. It was great to hang out with you. We sat down, had dinner, the whole nine yards. But you're traveling on weekends to present at things. Obviously, that's temporarily suspended. So what else have you been up to to build your online educational brand? We, um, we started a thing last year called Education Week. And it was basically a week-long free thing that I put out. I would do a presentation at the beginning and at the end. And in the middle, I would bring in buddies to do guest, guest speaking, guest opportunities. And the first year it was great. Everybody liked it. We had probably 400 people that kind of cycled through the whole process. And I was like, oh, that was really neat. And then education week came the week after we got shut down for, for COVID this year. So I'm like, this is cool. It's good timing. We're all sitting at home. We had really great numbers. And, and I had other experts that were watching some of our, our videos and some of our stuff. And they're like, hey, I've got time if you want to do, if you want to do a talk. And so we extended it to two weeks. And then three weeks and then a month in, I'm like, I got to stop. Like I can't every day I'm on, you know, two hours, you know, guys know the prep and afterwards you got to edit and all this. And it's like, okay, so this has been a big, so our YouTube has had a lot of downloads into it lately because we've had, I've had Dan John and Evan Osar and, and just a whole list are like really great people that are kind of in our realm right now, specifically for older adults in that area um, that have given us some great time and some information to help us kind of grow that. So that's been a cool thing. And then uh, TOA, trainingtheolderadult.com, we, we took it from last year as like a webinar series and then a little bit of a live event and then some mentoring that I did on the side. And we married all three of those into a course. And so we launched that in January. It just finished two weeks ago. We had 44, 41 professionals that went through that whole thing. They got their certificates at the end. It was really cool. I, I loved it. It's, uh, it was supposed to end with like a live event here in Sacramento where everyone came and did, you know, did all the exercises and I could kind of check everybody off. So because we couldn't travel, we had to stream it. We had to, so I had 44 people up on the screen and then in the garage in here, you know, and doing live and I'm coaching on the camera, these little, you know, boxes with everybody. It was really neat. It was, you know, it was a new challenge for me for sure. Um, but it was great, man. This, it's something that I'm looking at and I'm like, I could do this for a long time. I love to teach. I love to share. I'll never stop coaching people in the gym. That's I'm going to do that till I die. But uh, I really enjoy educating and getting to teach other people some some techniques that will will help this demographic for sure. So now a little further yep. because obviously this COVID thing has been a fucking nightmare <laughs> to put it mildly. Exactly. Cause a lot of people to pivot and innovate and and be creative. What has been something that you've done or adopted that you're going to go, I'm, I'm going to continue to do this. This is going to become part of my, my work, my brand, my offering. The, the streaming workouts. This was, you know, I think you and I talked a little bit uh, when I was there in Edmonton, I wasn't big on online training. I, I didn't, I was like, it's, I get it. I get it that some people want to do it. And, um, 
if you have an educated client that can follow a plan, then, and, and you feel confident with that, like I would look at some of my clients and be like, you've been working with me 10 years. If I wrote you a workout, you could go and do it. But how can I coach someone brand new, right? Online and not be there to coach them and to, you know, help position them and manipulate them. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's what you got to do now. <laughs> you know, like overnight it was flipped to that of that's your only way to get income. And so we had to embrace that big time. And we started with streaming classes and we're just like, we're going to do this private for our clients. We'll invite them all in. We did a week. People really liked it. I think they liked more that I was doing it with them rather than just sitting there coaching. Like I'm, I'm actively doing it and coaching. And so I'm like, you got to keep your shoulders here. And then during the recoveries, I'm laying on my back and I'm gas. So they've seen me over nine weeks get in much better shape, you know, be able to talk <laughs> while coaching. And I was, it was a disaster the first week. It was so bad. And uh, they were, they were all in so much better shape than me. And so I've, I've upped my game to be able to do that a little better, but our clients really like it. They love it. I've got probably 25 just diehard clients uh, every day that, that stream online with us. And they're like, we really want to keep doing this. We'll return two days, Monday, Wednesdays, but we want to stream Tuesday, Thursdays with you. And because that's so popular, we kind of see that as a secondary revenue source for us now where we can offer in-house and then, you know, we call it the bunker, the Be Stronger Fitness Bunker. We can offer the bunker, the online training there. And in there is also a library of exercises that we, a library of, of workouts that we give them from ADLs and our foundations are like entry-level clients. Uh, pure strength, which would be more kind of you guys, more athletic, more, you know, hypertrophy kind of base lifting, our strength and conditioning, which is kind of a combo of both. And then we have like a high intensity Metcon. And so we post two of those every week, little tutorial videos kind of explaining how to do everything. And they can just pop on there and do them whenever they want. And then the streams are also on demand. So if you register for a stream, you can't make it, you can watch the on demand after. So it's been pretty cool. It's kind of like Netflixing workouts, you know, for people <laughs> be able to put us in their queue for later on, you know, but it's, you know, I didn't see myself doing this ever. And it's been, it's been good. Be funny if you find out that one of them sits back and is having a scotch watching the workout. I I'm thinking that today, like, because I even said like, how many, how many rounds did you guys get? Just go ahead and type in your answer. And no one wrote anything back. I'm like, you guys aren't even doing this, are you? He's going to sit there watching you do this, right? I need I'm to sit there dying. Yeah. I need to see you do that one again, Robert. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> so been fun, man. The, the only negative to the whole thing is working with older populations and technology. Dude, you'd be like, you don't have any grandkids that have ever like video chatted you before. I had clients, that was the first time, like I startled them. They would, they would grab their phone and I'd be talking to them like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to appear on the screen and they go, oh, and then it was like this, how did you do that? Can you see me? And then, and so I'd be like, okay, you need to turn the camera so I can see where you're at. And so the, instead of hitting like the flip, they would, they would turn the camera like yeah. that. And they're like, well, now I can't see anything. And I'm like, I, I know. And then I'd say, so turn flip the camera so I can see the other side and they go, so like that? And I'm like, oh my God, it's like well, there, talking to my parents. There is a component of digital literacy that like, cause I dealt with it in the education system when we were bringing in Google school to like teach kids how to do it. It's a process, but it, it just like the video thing is like, especially if you don't do, like we do Zoom meetings all the time. So like we kind of know the etiquette, but if you have like 10 people that don't know it, things aren't muted. There's stuff oh. on in the background. They're like talking close to their mic or they're talking far away. It's like, there is a level of literacy to be a participant. So it's not fucked up. And especially with Zoom, did you hear about the Zoom bombings? So like Zoom initially had a whole rush of people and then a bunch of like Russian hackers and stuff were hacking in meetings and drawing stuff on the share screens. And so there's, oh, there's like craziness. That. No, I heard a, I heard a really bad one in Google with um, one of the strength coaches 
really like 110 strength coaches on a on a live stream they were doing a like a, a ceu course and yeah. someone hacked in and started playing porn through there yeah, that was the main one i didn't want to bring that one up that yeah. one or they were drawing yeah, we, i don't need to talk about what kind but it was terrible like fbi involvement everything so yeah. as soon as i heard that i'm like passwords mm. we're, we're good. we did all the security we updated to the best i'm just like i can't you can't even believe that it would get to that point where like that's a security issue yeah. to have for people that want to work out together you know like it's I don't know. It's because they knew yeah. it. Like, it, it's, it. And it was like, I, and I think a lot of, I don't know if it was Russian hackers, at least with the school one, the kids were doing that at school and figuring out how to do it and doing very similar stuff in a school setting. So anyways, but like that stuff is Zoom basically updated everything, obviously like two yeah. days after. And yeah. now every room had a lock on it initially. And so, but everything's growing in terms of making this thing better because the, there is a component of literacy for everyone involved, even zoom to figure out like, cool. Hey, we can't just like run it the way we used to. Cause now there's triple the people in here okay. and it's a huge opportunity for like opportunists that do stuff like that. And learn, learning everything from how do I plug my mics in? What can they yep. hear? What can I hear? You know, our first week we had people that didn't know how to use their cameras. They had their mics on while their kids were screaming. Yeah. You know, we had people that didn't know they had their cameras on and they had them on and they were like, I'm like, I, I can see you. And she's like, Oh, it's, you know, they're, I'm just like, Oh boy, this is, this is, this is getting a little risque here. So we had some after week one, I'm like, how about this? How about I'll just stream it to you guys like a webinar. And if you have questions, you can text me. I got my phone here. I had this, you know, the chat open. And that worked really well. Everybody calmed down. And it was like, these are all people that worked with me for years. So for me to say, we're going to do self-anchored deadlifts with the band. And they're like, yeah, we got it. You know, and I kind of lead it through. Brand new clients, different ball game. We've been doing one-on-ones and kind of teaching them the basics for a couple of weeks before we merge them into one of those groups. But that has been a very good, you know, series for us and a learning process. Our people have become very, you know, Zoom smart, Zoom friendly now. But we've had almost three months to practice it. So. And you have to go through it. Like, I yeah. think that that's something that gets lost in this is like, there's people want to jump in and like, we kind of alluded to this, I think with Pete's one, Andrew, where it was just like, you not to say you have to get into it now, but let's just say things don't change. There is a huge, huge learning curve. And there's a lot of lessons that you can only learn by doing very similar to when you're a new trainer and you think you know everything. And then you jump into the training phone, know nothing. It's the same thing with the online space, yeah. video editing, learn by, learn video, by like this way or that way. Like there's a lot of stuff that you don't think about, even with like with this podcast, mics, headphones, we need this headphones. We have the wrong mics. And it's just like that stuff was a huge learning curve. Yeah, agreed. Do something really stupid easy, really. <laughs> so now there's a couple of things that are probably really worth talking about mm-hmm. given our timeline. I mean, you work with older adults. You know, everything in the media, we, we know that older adults are at higher risk uh, when it comes to COVID. Now, you also own a small facility that you aren't allowed to use, and we're going to be getting back into those spaces. So what's the general response from your clientele as to their readiness willingness or reluctance to get back into a space like that what are the precautions and the things that you're going to do to change how you run your business and any other thoughts uh, in that space that's a very long answer i will condense it as best as i can but long question too. So, so basically for the last like six the first six weeks we spent as much time as possible contacting the county health department and trying to figure out what the steps for return would be. And so everyone there, they know my name, they know my email, they know my phone number. I've been up their ass, you're right. So we finally come in, I I did a a PowerPoint, a video, 
I put the whole thing down. I finally get in to talk to the director and he's like, I'm going to give you a 10 minute phone call to, to sell me on this. So I get on the call. He spends two minutes trying to figure out how to open the PDF. So now I'm down to eight minutes. I give him my entire spiel, the 10 things we want to do, how we're going to do it. The gym is staged. You can come and look at it. And he goes, you're ready to do this right now. And I'm like, we could open this second. This is how the gym looks. I have everything. And he goes, okay, I'm going to permit it. You're going to be the first gym in Sacramento to open. And I was like, when? Like next week? And he goes, right now. You, you were permitted right now. So we opened the next morning. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. We opened the next morning. We had four clients in. Next day, we had 12 clients in. That was Thursday, Friday. The following week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as we went back Wednesday, I was almost back to a full schedule. Got about... Wow. 20% of my clients and almost all of them are over 70 that are like, we're just going to wait a little bit. I have yeah. one client who says I'm not returning at all, but she's also doing the online and she loves it. Okay. So we really haven't lost anybody. Right. So I'm like, cool. So Wednesday, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the 10 things we're doing Wednesday. We're in the gym training. I'm on, we get done training. I'm on a mentoring call and I get a text that says channel three news. They just said they pulled your guys' permit. And not 15 seconds later, I get an email from the county and he says, though we don't agree with this, the state has said, you guys aren't allowed to do this. Your permits are pulled. So there were 78 of us, 78 all got pulled, all got shut down. This was outdoor, indoor, anything. If you were training at the parks, which they allowed at the time, all that got pulled. So uh, we had to talk with our governor today. Uh, we have some very good representation, some very poor representation on the call. And we're going to see where it goes. We're hoping Monday that he's going to let us go. They just, we're supposed to be in phase three. So into this phase three, now they're allowing like barbers and salons and all that. We're supposed to be in that. So we're not really sure why we've been delayed. So basically the precautions are people are walking up and we got this down pretty good now. Um, you guys are supposed to come in at seven. So right at seven, I come to the door. I've got my little mask on. You guys are all in your cars and I give you a wave and you come up, you have your masks on. I do a touchless thermometer test of the forehead. I ask you all these questions. Do you feel sick, cough, di diarrhea, all this stuff. If your yes is to any of that, I can't let you in. If you're over the temperature, I can't let you in. So they come in. Our room now, we got 2,000 square feet. It's a big rectangle. We've got that cut into six, uh, like almost 400 square foot. They're like 370 each one. And it's taped off. And in each one, it's everything we had. We went out and bought just a ton of new equipment. There's a rack. There's a landmine. There's sets of dumbbells. Like everything is kind of you and your own gear. Uh, we train. We have medical grade spray, alcohol spray. We have medical grade wipes. Everybody wipes their stuff. We spray their shoes when they come in and out so they're not tracking any stuff in. Um, we go through that. The whole training process. Everybody stays in their box. We get all done. Everyone leaves at 750 I go around and spray the entire facility, doorknobs, handles, bathroom, everything, spray everything down with the alcohol spray. We let that sit for 10 minutes. And then the next group at eight, I come out and wave them in again. And so we were cranking. People felt really good with it. They felt very safe. Our gym is immaculate. Number one, I'm way too anal for it to be anything else. And I'm, I joked like I'm, I'm the ultimate waffle. Everything's got its spot. Everything's got its compartment. Nothing pancakes or like blurs in together. So everything, I love the grids on the ground. I'm like, we should have done this a long time ago. That's exactly where I want everything, right? So it's a, it's a good fit. It's a good feel. Our 40, 50-year-old clients, when we told them we were coming back, they're like, thank God this couldn't have happened earlier. My 50, 60-year-old clients are like, tell me a little more about the details. And then my 75, 70-year-old clients and up were like, we're going to wait a little bit, but it sounds great. And so you know, we were on our way, things were, were rolling. And now we're kind of back, you know, back closed again. And 
having to hit the bunker again. But people got a taste of it. They got to see. We put up some videos of it so everybody could see how it runs. And they're like, this looks awesome. So we um, we got to help set the bar a little bit of what other facilities were doing, too. We're really proud that we got to be the first one to go and um, just waiting for that green light to get back in there. So you think it'll so like assuming this stuff like lays off a little bit and they they pull some of these restrictions off like all those things how much of it would you continue running it because i'm sure there's a level of efficiency that yeah. comes with that and the model that comes with that kind of is what a lot of people want to go to anyways like group training and everyone's doing the same stuff same equipment like that's kind of like the dream gym for a lot of us so like is there stuff or aspects of that that you would not change even when you were to give the go to like do everything the way however you want I, I mean, I, obviously, I don't think the health screen and the temperature is going to be needed to take no. and need to be done on a daily basis. Um, the waiting in the car, this and that stuff, because we're only allowed to have so many people in the facility at one time. That's why they all have to wait. They just can't come in. I think that'll lighten up. But as far as like the cleaning stuff goes, I don't know if I need to do alcohol spray after every hour in there. But I think doing that on, on a daily basis is a really good thing. Um, you know, there's certain percentages of the alcohol that you can, you basically have to taper it down a little bit and it won't damage your leather benches and your rubber bands. If you get too pure of an alcohol, it will, it'll dry it up and crack it and break it. So, you know, we kind of had to experiment with that stuff a little bit, but I think that's a really good precaution to have in there. And I, I don't see any negative selling point to like, Hey, my gym's really clean and, yeah. <laughs> and really organized. I think that's so out of the, the 10 things we were already doing six of them on a regular basis, basically we added the, the health screening, the temperature checking, the regulation for people. The only really new one that we, you know, we took to the new level is the alcohol spray. We already use in medical grade wipes to clean everything every hour. So I think that stuff will stay. I, I kind of like the grid, the boxes where everybody's that's what I was in. Saying, the grid seems like something yeah. that's like could be applicable yeah. to like regardless of COVID. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't really do that before because it was like I only had two landmines I'd set up on one end of the room. I had two hex bars on the other. Now... I, you know, we invested, I think, three grand in buying, you know, new stuff and getting everything in there. So everybody had their own stuff. And it's like, now that we have that, it, it can, the machine can run that much more efficiently, you know, as we go through this. So yeah, I see some good, yeah, I see some good things coming out of that. I was going to say, you can go, Andrew. Yeah. Well, this is a bit more of an elaborate thought and I'm going to frame it very, very carefully because I'm sort of quoting a medical professional, a doctor who I, I work closely with. And so this whole thing has become quite politicized. So I'm gonna be a little careful here. So what we are starting to learn, um, of course, anyone who says anything that doesn't align with the, we have to save every life, this is, you know, this is the end of the world type stuff, tends to get screamed at and shouted down and, and, and called all sorts of terrible things. There's more of a middle ground, or then you get the idiots on the other side who are showing up with guns, you know, protesting everything. We're not talking about guns today. Uh, here's my point. There's sort of a middle ground, and, and the medical professional that I, I work with, he actually is part of a community that are kind of staying a little quiet about what's really going on, and, and they're actually advocates of more of a, okay, we, we should take you know measures and, and certainly be very careful with old age homes and, and whatever, but it, they almost advocate more of the Sweden model. Now, someone's going to come in and be like, oh no, Sweden's got the highest death rates. Well, in fact, Sweden's death rates are, probably com are, are actually comparable to Spain, the UK, and some of the places that in Italy that did in fact lock down. Mm -hmm. uh, there's differences in different places. What works in New York is going to be very different from what works in, in Kansas. So, uh, you know, one of my personal thoughts is uh, if we turn back around and lock down aggressively for a second wave, or if a bunch of people start coughing funny in the, in the foothills of Bangladesh and we, we lock everything down, 
uh, Western society will collapse. I'm sorry, that's a terrifying thought. We, this isn't an option to continue to do this kind of stuff. We have to find a better way. And one of the things that happened is groupthink took over and then everybody kind of competed to, let's see who can do the most stringent stuff. Hmm. So the second thought he made, and, and, and some people are going to hear that and almost be offended by it because it's not going to align with what they've been told. And, you know, if you spend enough time, it, it affected me, you know, uh, Paranoia is too strong a word, but anxiety, you know, you spend too much time watching news articles and updating hourly and, and everybody's screeching on social media. I unfollowed some people I like and respect because instead of being very evidence-based and moving with everything, everything they put out was a dial to the 11, screeching, hysterical, worst case scenario bullshit. That doesn't help anyone either. Be informed. I think that's really important. But understand that it's actually really okay to to have a middle ground position and not have to be subjugated into silence and political practice. And even the way I'm saying this will offend some people. <laughs> Let me finish. Don't do that. Okay. Um, seriously. Um, so it's okay to actually stand up and say, okay, we believe that it's okay to be able to operate a small business and, and be very, very thoughtful and careful about it. Now this is going to pivot into a second thought and I know I'm taking over the conversation, but okay. There's also an element of theater, and this is what my doctor friend had said. This is public health theater. And he used the analogy of all the stuff that came out the other side of the September 11th attacks and all the things you go through at airports. And a lot of it is theater. And it's important to be able to recognize what is actually really going to make a difference. Some of it is fine because it makes people feel safe returning to gyms. Great, I think that's wonderful. But it's also good to recognize at a certain point, some of the stuff that will continue on for a while will be theater to create an impression. And some of the stuff is gonna be the things that really matter. I think, dude, the stuff that really matters well, you're making efficiencies that actually make your business better. But there's gonna come a point where when we identify what the theater really is, then that's when we start easing back to something that resembles the way life was. And I know that's a, a long, you scared me. I thought that was actually like an awesome thought. I was just like, where is he going with this? <laughs> I was like, so, so basically like, like I said, a lot of these measures have their place can double down as a kill two birds with one stone aspect, but there's gonna be some that are overkill. And it'll be interesting. It is an interesting discussion to see. And that's why we asked you what is going to be long lasting here that you think Cause it's just like at some point, the gyms that do stay open, they, they have to kind of get with, get with what's going on. Otherwise they're going to be the ones that fail. Even when this thing opens up. I had a, a colleague of mine. Uh, he goes, dude, I, um, what'd you think of that video I put up? And it's the video of the ghostbuster guy coming into his gym and he's got the, the gun and he's spraying <laughs> everything. Right. And I'm like, that's pretty intense, man. What is he spraying? And he goes, same stuff you got in that bottle right there. <laughs> and I'm like, so why'd you do that? And he goes, it was $120 and it looked good. You know, it made everybody in my gym go, Oh, he's, he took this to the next level. He's going to have this guy come in and spray for him every week. You know, with this next, he goes, it's kind of part of the show is to show that we are taking those steps. And it's not that he's pretending that he's doing it. They're actually doing it. But for him to walk around with a spray bottle and spray everything. And this dude to come in in the hazmat suit with a ghostbuster spray gun and hose it all down. Those are two very different impressions that people see. Right. So I, I think that a part of that, like Andrew, like you were saying, that is a bit of theater, you know, we are kind of showcasing, Hey, we're going above and beyond. And I want you to feel really good and safe here. Um, but I think we're able to kind of deliver that without the big show too. But if that's what it's going to take in the beginning to allow our customers to feel comfortable, 
you know, I do I think taking their temperature is like, is that going to matter at all? I mean, I'm going from um, a room that's, you know, 72 degrees and I'm standing outside and it's 90 degrees when I do the measurements, well, I'm not allowed to do the measurements inside because I can't let them inside. So now I'm changing the ambient, you know, space in which I'm doing the measuring and that gun's supposed to stay in that space for a half hour before it'll do an accurate. So I'm like, okay, but you're making me go outside to do it. So is it just measuring the cold? You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of this stuff. If you have, you know, one of the other guys that was in the, the group with us, he's like, I have 16,000 feet. Why can I, 16,000 square feet? Why can't I have 20 people in there? They're all going to have 500 square feet for them themselves. What's with the eight? Why can I only do eight? Well, eight, eight makes people feel good. When you say I've got 20 people in here, you know, it, it's another it's another theatrical number. Oh my God, it's more than 10 people. We're, we're in bigger gatherings than we're supposed to be. So eventually all that stuff's going to have to come back a little bit, you know? Um, just like you said, September 11th, like the security was up to that new high level of everything. And it's kind of, relaxed and kind of come back but i think people are going to remember this i think i think people have been theater planes in the airports when you think about it right yeah i mean it, here's the danger here here's the danger both with that is uh, i know that people have tested and tried to actually deliberately slip things through airports and a lot of time it gets through because because of the heightened amount of awareness and nothing ever happens the complacency sets in so one, we have to be very on guard against complacency, against real threats to our health in, in gyms. And then two, it's identifying the elements of theater. And I'll single out gloves very specifically here that create an illusion of safety, but actually probably cause more problems. It's been carefully discussed. You get people who wear their gloves and then they touch a whole bunch of shit. Then they touch their face or they're eating with the gloves on or touching their phones. <laughs> And so they, they end up doing something where they, oh, they feel safe. And then, then they throw the gloves out in the fucking parking lot before they get into their car. So that's one of my things that I think, okay, that's an example of yeah. you're probably creating more hazard and risk. You should make a meme on that one. I know you've been up on your memes. That, was, that would be a good one. I've been taking the piss out of the people complaining about who've been screaming that gyms need to stay closed. Meanwhile, they, they do. One of the examples was he gets you know, some hypothetical guy, although I'm sure there's a lot of this that, uh, you know, some guy's eating ass from three random strangers like <laughs> in the last, you know, three weeks. But meanwhile, dude thinks they should stay closed because they're too dirty. You know, it's fucked up. Like, no, like, this is the fucked up thing. You want to go in another, like, different direction. The fact that, like, no one got offended from that, but they'll get offended from the fucking, like, your, your post was, like, more offensive, but, like, because of what it was offending, it was, like, everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. But if you were talking about something else, they wouldn't have let that fly. So it's just, like, the whole world's, like, flipped upside down. Yeah, it's <laughs> craziness. There, there's so much contradicting information, too, but makes it all kind of a joke. You know what I mean? There's so many things yeah. there that I we could complain about too, but it's it's reality yeah, though. It's a whole yeah. It's a whole. Um, I I don't like that. I'm 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 so like anti the the sayings. We'll get through this together, and the you know the the new norm. Like I I can't stand I that, that stuff. I will go fucking off on yeah, that. I can't I can't handle that stuff. I'm gonna go off. I'll save you the trouble. You just gotta put. You reject, reject this new normal. Okay. <laughs> reject it. anyone listening reject this crap because the more and yes there's gonna be some stuff that we have to be thoughtful and careful about but as a society you know what we are going to have to live in a world with this we can't hide in our houses forever we definitely should take precautions yeah. fuck someone's gonna get offended by this line of thinking but too goddamn bad i don't think it, 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 this is straw man but i mean god slippery slopes 
we could be living like the movie Demolition Man, quite literally. That, or, that, that's realize that uh, no. this fucking sucks, but if Pandora's box open, there's no putting it back in again. That's not happening. Yeah. And you know, eventually we'll have vaccines or whatever. But okay, we, we will have to live with this out in the world. And and I I personally choose not to live in a completely altered reality. You just have to we're walking around in, in constant state of fear and hysteria. And I know this sounds like an exaggeration, but I mean, I think a lot of people have been living this way for a while. Well, that's, it's, it's been a big part for us. I started to cut you off, but this has been a big part for us with our clients coming back. Like we had some people that expressed concern, you know, they're like, you're a lung cancer survivor. Should you be coming back and putting yourself in front of us? And I'm like, precautions, we're doing everything like, to the CDC standards and we're in this little tiny gym and we're, you know, we're doing things to this high level. So we want to be careful. Should we wait till there's a vaccine that could be a year, you know? So I'm looking at this and I'm like, how the risk to rewards, I've got clients that are, you know, they're widows and widowers and they're going crazy because they have no interaction socially with people. And the gym was that our studio was that for them. You know, we have people that, that are just, their health issues are just going worse and worse and worse. They need to be in here with us. Yeah. So it's like, I'm looking at that going, we, someone has to be first. Someone has to get back to this. And if we can set some really good standards and be the ones that are kind of helping set the, the bar for that, you want to call that a guinea pig or do you want to call that the, the, you know, the, not the pat on myself on the back, but like the brighter thinkers or like the forward thinkers of like, let's get this shit done. Let's do this right and get forward progression. So we're not just all sitting here for another month and another month. And it's like, well, how's it getting worse and worse, you know? Well, and that's, we, we can bitch about all this stuff. And like, I don't even think we're bitching. We're just, we're just talking shit. But like, yeah. like I said, we brought you on and we're asking these questions because at the end of the day, like, what's the solution yeah. that you're providing? Because a lot of the people that I find making the most noise, they're not even offering any solution. You're like, well, let's do it this way. And you're putting your neck out. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And yeah, a little bit of that's theater, a little bit that of that's playing the game. But if you want your businesses to be operational, you got to do a little bit of that. Like, yeah, things, whatever. You got to have your opinion on the situation, but it's fucking happening and you're not in control of the rules so yeah. play the game and, and get your shit done which gets and lost we, in the bitching we about wanted to, we wanted to back up everything medically too you know that's a yeah. big part of us especially here in california our governor says it every day we want the stats and the science to back it so i'm like alcohol between 69 and 81 percent that's what this medical you know you guys are advising that we'll do that the temperatures between 97 and 99 for those under 65 we'll do that so it's like you know, we're, we're picking that the highest standard, the highest uh, informed and most educated, you know, guidelines now that they're doing to get in and out of hospitals. I'm willing to do that in my studio. You know what I mean? So I feel like we're being very proactive and very forward thinking and we're not making a mockery of it, you know, of where we're, you know, I'm holding my mask instead of wearing it. Like we're on this. And the cool part about this, the city, the county, I mean, the county was like, we're going to spot check you guys, right? So the next day I train those four people, I get done. I'm starting one of the live stream workouts from the gym and I look over and there's the department of health resource. There's their truck and the dudes in the window going like this at me. Right. And I'm, and I'm looking at him and he, gets, he sticks his head in and he goes, alcohol lines, thumbs up. And he checks off his little thing. The next day he was right there. And that was Thursday. Yep. And he came back on Monday and saw one of our groups and gave me a double thumbs up. And so it was like, you know, we were doing things right. And that's, that's what I want to help educate and kind of inform others on this as we go through. 
if we can do this in California, which is the state that's got the most governing and the most, you know, the most people to please to come back to these really high standards, if we can do that here, we should be able to do it everywhere. So that's, that's the goal. And we just keep pushing. I'm just that polite yet annoying email phone call individual that just, I just won't stop. You know, we need to get back open. You said something I wanted to make sure we highlighted too. And it's, you know, the way that we have mountains of evidence on the way that humans deteriorate when, they, especially if they're older, if they're isolated, their mental health, uh, there's a very strong relationship with their physical health deteriorating. And you're potentially, in order to try to save people, you're potentially putting them into a situation that's guaranteed to escalate their decline, right? Now, that doesn't mean, hey, let's just throw them into the wind. and Physically and, and mentally. Yeah, and, and let go and we'll, you know, play Russian roulette with human beings. You, yeah. know, you spent half this episode talking about all the precautions that we're taking. And I think at a certain point, you just, it can't be this all or nothing thing. The answer is not swing the doors open, fuck everybody who's vulnerable. And the answer isn't let's live in a dystopian lockdown until there's a vaccine, right? And those are straw man arguments. But at the same time, we actually have people taking those positions because they're frustrated, right? Uh, you know, I see some of our, our peers in the industry and they can't let up on this hysterical, this chicken little, the sky is falling stuff about how this shit is literally the end of the world. And I see that and I'm like, who do you have on your thing? I've, I've, I just don't click on that. So I don't see a shit. But that doesn't make me go, oh shit. Now I'm scared. Now I'm not going to leave my house. Now I'm not going to train any clients for the next six months. That makes me go, this person is absolutely toxic to our industry and the people who they are reaching. This is a toxic person. And the people who are advocating, ah, blow the doors open, fuck everybody. Uh, I want it, the whole, I want a haircut thing. That's a total straw man argument too. But yeah, sure. There's still people who they want to be out in bars and they're happy. You're Those totally right. Just shave your head like Robert. Like Yeah, this, I have the easiest haircut ever. Um, the, you're totally right. I'm, I'm, I'm an energy person. I got to be around people that have good energy. Um, my wife knows this about me. Like if she's got something that's going to lead to an argument, don't do it before I go in live on a workout. Cause I'll be grumpy through the whole workout. Right? Like I can't turn on and off. I'm, I'm energy about what I am. So my social media is the same way. You know, I've got people that are bringing light to this experience. You know, Andrew, you're, you're every day I'm on there going, what's Andrew teaching today? Right. And I'm taking like one, I think one of the first videos you put out was, I call it a bow and arrow row. It's where you hook the band under your feet and then you hinge over and you're rowing vertically right between your feet. And I saw that and I'm like, I, we've been doing that with a mini band around our foot and our mini bands are all stretched out. I'm like, genius, you know? And so it's like, I'm, I was trying to, I'm trying to continually mold my social media you know, it's a double-edged sword because you want more followers and more people so you can kind of, you know, bring up and the opportunities for business and such. But on the other side, it's like, you have to just sit there and, and unblock all these people that are just negative, you know, that are dragging on you. And so my, my feeds are just all these positive, good, you know, people that I'm trying to find every day that are helping with solutions and helping yeah. bring light. It's, it's not that I'm trying to turn out like anything that's bad. Like all I want to hear is the good news. I know we've got to have that other side of it. But it's like, how long are you going to sit in your box and dwell? You know, and someone has to be first. Someone has to move forwards. Someone has to take these steps. And the time for talking about that is over with. It's time to start putting some, you know, put your money down. Like, let's let's do this. Let's go. Let's take these steps. And 
if you have the blessings of the the people, the county, the state, the people that matter legally for those things, and you have the blessing of every health, you know, health restraint, health guideline that you need, you know, we've got these packets. Let me show you this thing. This is this is the packet for the restaurants in California, their COVID-19 packet that you have to go through to fill out to be able to open to serve food. I mean, it's it's 15 pages long, this packet you have to fill out. And you look at the one for the guy that does the barber and it's the exact same thing. All they did was change restaurant to barber. And I'm like, well, we've already got this built. We've got this made. It shouldn't come down to what is the name of your business. It's how are you going to conduct business? How are you gonna make it safe for your people? If you give everybody guidelines and we can act on that, then we will move forward and we'll slowly work our way back out of this. It well, seems very simple and practical to me if we're trying to let science lead that and you've said that this is what we need to do to serve food to people, there's you know, any other business, there's no more contact and stuff I'm gonna put directly into my body, right? So how can that not be one of the highest standards we have and how can we not all start to implement that? One of the most important pieces to all this is how the smaller facilities are getting lumped in with the big facilities. So we, Mike Boyle, these guys are at the forefront of it now on the East Coast. And, and they've got legal representation and they're looking at suing the governors. And I oh, yeah. 100% explicitly support legal action against, and people are going to be like, are you crazy? I support legal action against the governments that overreached that are keeping small businesses closed because we'll have Walmart and Amazon around for a long time. Yeah. But I mean, the restaurant industry is in trouble. Nightclubs, they're gone. Forget about them. They're going to get eradicated through this. One of my clients loves strip clubs. He's sad about the fact that he knows that <laughs> the strip, strip clubs, clubs aren't going anywhere, dude. They've been around since <laughs> the beginning of time. <laughs> and you, and you don't, and you drive this stuff underground. And now we're having fun. Like I, I hope everybody realizes that. Yes, I'm, I'm serious, but I'm also having fun. I'm serious. The strip clubs and like the, the <laughs> underground activities not stop. doing house calls through all this stuff. You don't think Tinder is alive and well? Why hasn't someone been on on the news media on CNN? Dude, did you see the about Tinder? and all the other similar apps and shutting those down. There's a new one. I didn't even know about this because I'm like, I'm married, don't give a fuck. This OnlyFans thing came out like pretty much COVID and now it's giving like Instagram influencers a paywall to do porn, even though it's not for porn. And so like, you think the shit's going, they just loaded. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> Think about helping the dreams together because, of course, I got carried away. But yeah, the smaller facilities definitely have the ability to do this well. You've described yep. it. Yep. Even I understand there are challenges with larger facilities. There are challenges with managing the people, the spacing, the touching of different equipment. There are challenges. It is definitely incumbent upon the businesses to come up with a solution and a plan. I think they should be given the opportunity to do that, yep. but to take small gyms and lump them in with large gyms and then in in Alberta, large gyms are lumped in with uh, music venues and theater. Actually, I think oh. they're reopening theaters before they're reopening gyms. And I'm just going, what the fucking hell? They're probably all the way at the end then, huh? And, and different, it's kind of one of these weird dichotomies because you get liberal-minded, and this stuff is political. You mm. don't think so, don't kid yourself. There's a reason why certain places are keep having more drastic lockdowns than others. And it is definitely divided upon Republican and Democratic lines in the US, 100% it is. There's also an element of, well, New York's Democratic and New York City, guess what? They're a different situation, 
probably going to have to take their time reopening stuff in Manhattan. I get it totally. But in a lot of cases, this stuff's political. But of course, what are more liberal, democratic-minded places value more? Health and wellness. What do oftentimes conservative, uh, Republican-type places not necessarily put as much weight on? Progressive ideas like, like exercise. So we're in a, we have a provincial conservative government, but they certainly haven't pushed to the forefront, you know, returning to gyms. Yeah. Right. A, lot, a lot of the, absolutely. I think a lot of those big gyms aren't going to, they're not going to make it. This frustration is it changes by different jurisdiction. And it's, it's not about the science or the health. A lot of times it's about the politics. Yeah. And, and that's an unfortunate shame. But ultimately, I hope people aren't afraid to, to share reasonable positions on it. I hope people aren't afraid to challenge. We challenge the government on every other fucking thing. Why all of a sudden is it not okay to challenge the government right now on their policies? And I just hope at the end of the day that a lot of our friends, a lot of our small business owners, they're able to get back open again. They do it safely. That our, every, Everywhere in our society, everything improves. And that our industry manages to survive this one okay and innovates and thrives out the other side. And I really hope, and, and I'm trying to take a position here with humor wherever I can, or, or sometimes very bluntly, mm -hmm. to be a, a voice in support of let's get us reopened safely. Yep. And, and I, you know, I've got to be careful because I'm getting frustrated with this stuff and it's not fair to get antagonistic, but I've gotten a little frustrated with the people in our own industry who've been pumping bullets into their own feet by screaming, saying, no, gyms are unsafe, they have to close. Well, just saying that hasn't proposed a solution. You haven't helped make the situation better and maybe you're someone who's gone fully online and now you don't give a shit about everybody else well that's a kind of a crappy attitude but guess what if we don't get this stuff reopened there's a limit to you know your clientele doing mini band workouts in their living room without any other equipment right that's going to get old yeah. so I, I think this is one of these situations where we're not all in the same position like you said but i think we should all be on the same team in trying to help and that it's that is a great mindset, but I'm seeing it, you know, I'm on a chain with those other 78 studios right now. And you're seeing so many different strategies and philosophies that people want to do. Hey, we should all march at the Capitol. We should do workouts in front of the Capitol to show them that we're here. And I'm like, the other side's like, let's just innovate them with emails. The other side goes, well, let's do a phone call. You know, others are like, let's just sit back and wait and we'll let them go through the process it's so hard to find because everyone has their political standpoint behind it too. It's hard to find a united front to kind of bring this forward with everybody. And that's very frustrating on my end. You know, I'm just, I try to find like the most rational way that we could be the most effective. Where's my time best spent. And I don't, I don't know if, which of those options are the best ones, you know, without, without like, making a big statement about it. It's like looking at someone who is opening out of desperation because it's a choice between I open and defy county's orders or I oh, go out of business. We got a lot of those. You see and a lot I'm, of that. I'm not afraid to say this. I support the owners who are reopening because, and I don't own a facility, but if I did, and if I was put a, a gun to my head between you lose your business, that's it, or you reopen and you make a statement and whatever, I would reopen my doors. And if, if that offends someone, I, I apologize that you feel offended by it. Um, you know, I, I'm not you, know, um, you, you know, Bedros Koulian, right? Yeah, I know who Bedros yeah. is. So okay. you, you followed him. I mean, his comments on Fox and, you know, he put out a video on Instagram, I think last week. And he's like, June 1st, we're all doing it no matter what. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's still doing that. I think he is, 
but that's 450 gyms, you know, that are all part of his fit body bootcamp. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of people on there. They're like, I'm either going to go broke and lose my house or we're going to go open and accept our fine, you know, and some yeah. places like where we're at, our sheriff came out publicly and he's like, we're not going to do anything to you guys. If, if you have to open your business and we're going to come in to see if you're doing it safe, but I'm not arresting you. I may cite you and give you a ticket if you're not doing things right. But you know, like you see a lot of people, it's, it is desperate times for some of these and even the big boys, 24 hour fitness declared bankruptcy. You know, they've cut down, I think a third of their locations. They just closed them. It's like, you know, this is, this is a way bigger issue than a lot of people think. And the process to get back here, I don't know the answers. I'm not going to pretend to, pretend to be a COVID expert by any means, but from what everyone is informing us, the brightest minds, allegedly, if these are the steps we can do to get back, you know, then, then let's put that to action. Quit, quit giving us the runaround on it. You know, corporate golds went toast. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Called uh, Steve Nash fitness, which is in British Columbia, just West yeah. of us in Canada. Uh, they're gone. And no way. They're closed. Well, they're like the, the ones who get hit. They're high priced. They're very nice renovated places, probably yeah. all paid off, and there's not that many of them. And they're mm-hmm. so like, they're the people that are going to get fucked the fastest. That's I think they, you know, I got to work out one of those places. I liked yeah. it a lot. They're nice. I think, yeah. they're I think they were struggling with the expansion of Good Life because Good Life is really the big heavyweight here. Gotcha. Good Life will survive it here, but sometimes those, those regional chains, I think they're the ones who are going to get really hammered. Yeah. And a lot of them may not last. I'm I'm worried about the mom and pops. Like I I am always. I've got a lot of friends who own mom and pop gyms. Right? You're here. You have a mom and pop gym. And <laughs> you're a mom and, and pop. And I am on the side. I feel like you know those people have a right to be able to open a business. And this is such a broader conversation. I don't want to go too far into. But if we start in there, yeah. Um, no kidding. <laughs> let me say this one. Thing. If we stifle small business and do this right now. You disincentivize people from wanting to start up small gyms and other small business restaurants or whatever. Because then they say, well, the government did it to us this time. So yeah. again, next time oh. something like this happens, and guess what? They, That's already I, gone, buddy. I want you to think about something. I, and I want everyone listening to pause if you're old enough to remember H1N1. Mm-hmm. State of today's media, today, state of today's social media, 20 years ago, we would have done the same thing with H1N1. And someone's going to get mad. Oh, you're comparing H1N1 to COVID. They're not the same thing. There's enough similarities. But the fact is, we didn't change anything about how we operate in society with H1N1, now COVID. So the next time something happens, we get a severe, but yet we're, we're not sure about what's going on happens. There is a very real possibility that all the governments around the world, they get involved in groupthink again, unless they come up with a smart plan and they analyze how they did all this stuff and they figure out a better way. We're, we could have this happen again. And for me personally, I wouldn't dare imagine starting an, a small gym facility now, knowing that this could possibly happen again in five or 10 years. Right? Well, financially, yeah. Financially, you got a whole new plan too oh, going forward. Be correct to talk about why this all started or where this yeah. all started, but nothing has changed in those wet markets or any of the places in the world where these types of viruses have emerged multiple times in history. Nothing has changed there whatsoever. So there's no guarantees that this doesn't happen again because we've had SARS, we've had avian flu, we've had swine flu, yeah. we have MERS, right? And, you know, I, I just, I, I am worried if we don't figure this one out really, really well, that if we close down again to all these small gym owners, 
a it'll wipe them all out the, yeah. the second time and no one will will start those kind of businesses again well, we have a, a whole new financial plan moving forward here too where we've we've had personally we've had funds that we delegate away for our kids college we've had you know funds that we're delegating to improving our house and then funds that go to our business and now we've got to have a reserve from that that's like the emergency clause and whatever that is now we're going to have to put you know 10 or 15 or 20 thousand dollars in there to say if this happens again or even if if or when it happens again we've got to have this backup money because is our government going to do this again and financially bail out a lot of people or is it you know so you we it's a whole new planning system now you have to understand that this you know this is something that is very real and it, you talk to all your your business coaches and they always say hey, make sure you have you know two two months of funds saved up and that kind of stuff. How many people were really doing that? Now it's like, shit, I better, you know, I better have that. And, um, you know, we, because someone wasn't trying to, it's because someone, your, your business doesn't start out profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Year one or year two necessarily, you know, you build up in that a lot of places, restaurant industry, they run on thin margins. Oh yeah. So it's not closed a week and you're, Yep, yeah, you're behind. Not necessarily like these business owners have been irresponsible or doing anything wrong. They're, they've been working really hard to build something up. Yeah. And, and let's say you get someone who had a 10 or 12 year runway and managed to get a lot of stuff really, really right. Yep. And they maybe have a cushion. But that guy, or that, that woman on year number three, who is now just in a profitability and is finally able to start pay, taking some paychecks of their own, they haven't built up to a position to be able to tuck away that emergency fund yet. So. We had a studio right down the street from our house here. Friends of ours, we helped. We were, I was one of the guest speakers at their launch in January. They opened on January 25th, closed on March 17th, and they're permanently closed now. $100,000 they spent to renovate the space and get open and sign this huge lease, and now nothing. Now they're done. Well, and just, they never even got the chance to get going. It breaks my heart to hear that, and that's just super bad luck. I know of four studios just in California that's happened to where they're done done. You know, and that's my, that's my reach of just right here. I can only imagine what it is nationwide, you know, continent-wide. We haven't heard it all yet. A lot of people are holding out, and uh, they're not going to be able to last much longer. But again, you know, and, and to everybody listening, I apologize for some of the somberness and, and the seriousness of, of what we're talking about. But I think these are things that you guys all have to be aware of, too. If you're an enthusiast, you're going to gyms, uh, unless you've now built your home gym and never set foot in one again. If you're a trainer, if you're working in these facilities, and, yeah. and you are in a position to have a bit of a voice uh, or you can sit complacently uh, and being afraid to offend someone um, when people start talking about screaming that we need to shut everything down again and keep it shut down. And, and at a certain point, the, the balance of power is in who's the loudest. So, you know, don't just quietly accept the, the, the voices that aren't the same people who are, are screaming to keep you shut down, not they're not paying your bills. They're not your clients and their approval doesn't fucking matter. Okay. These are people who are actually working against your best interests. So I want you to think about that a little bit because oftentimes, you know, when you're complacent and quiet and let this stuff overrun us, um, that there's a lot of people scared to speak out about this. So, and, and even what I've said, and I, I was deliberate in coming having it come from me so that way I didn't throw you under the bus as much no, it's good I mean it's let me let me say too like with with both of you guys having the opportunity here like when we got to go back to the gym for those five days 
I felt this relief and this emotional, like I get to be in front of people again. And so that return and that interaction, the last two months, I was supposed to speak at six or four or five events. I was supposed to have my time with my colleagues. I was supposed to have this in, engagement in person. And I haven't had that now for nine weeks. I got a little taste of it with my people and then I got taken away again. And so I get it. Like when we all get together here, we kind of want to have our rant and our chance to vent to each other and to talk to each other. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I totally understand wanting to talk about that. I know that there are people out there that want to hear it too. And that want to, you know, see you like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling as well. Or no, I disagree with this. These are discussions, like you said, that have to be had and that we need to be able to, you know, share with each other. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to let me come on and talk about it. And I, I know we could have just stuck with, you know, training older adults and what strategies we do in the gym, but this is real life and this is where we are right now. And everyone is dealing with this in, a, in their way. And um, sometimes you don't know what to do until you hear a strategy, you hear a thought process. And, you know, I think between the three of us, we, you know, we covered quite a bit of stuff that people can hear and listen to and be like, oh, that's, I like this, I don't like this, here's something to pursue. Ideally, I'd like people to leave this going, oh, those are 10 things I should start thinking about to do in my facility, or maybe I need, this one's a joke and I should do this instead, or just like with programming, you try to inspire somebody to think in, in outside the box and to develop their own tool set. And that's what I'm, you know, I hope people get out of today, so. And we started <laughs> off with the older adult thing and the, that's right. the nice stuff, and then we bait and switched them. And <laughs> there you go. So they're like, shit, I'm 20 minutes in. I'm invested. I got to hear this to the end now. <laughs> I think we, we, we pre-planned. I think we said that in the intro. So I think we, I think we did a good job of covering it. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff here that I wanted to say on social media, but I've learned is not a good. And, and I'm guilty of the thing that I'm sort of saying to people, hey, don't, don't fall in that trap is, you know, be forced into silence. But, uh, you know, even I'm always playing this game. Yeah. Hey, what, what should I say? What is going to have a greater value? What is going to alienate people? Because I'm not someone of a, a lot of thoughts that are going to like piss everyone off. I'm, I'm not yeah. that controversial, despite some people thinking otherwise. But uh, it, it, I hope it gets people thinking. So I'm a little pinched on time here. So I definitely wanted to make sure that uh, we thank the audience, everybody who's been a dedicated listener, new, new listeners. If this is the first time you're listening to Robert, we've got another episode with Robert that is just full of incredible information. So I, I can't encourage you enough to go explore that. Go explore what Robert is doing with his stuff, especially if you have older adults as clients where you want to get more into that space. Because guess what? They have bloody money. And <laughs> when you are in this world, you also you know, earn a living doing what you love and you need to work with clientele who can pay for your services. So there's that, okay? Like I said it, right? And uh, check out what he's doing because there's a lot of great information there. Go follow his social media. Uh, I think it's Robert Linkle on everything, right? I appreciate it. Yes, yes. You can, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, YouTube. I got 100 videos on YouTube. You guys can look at and check it all out. Jordan Sai just texted me. He's trying to get me to use TikTok and I'm like, oh my God. He's like, no man, you got to do this. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so I, I would love to see your TikTok videos. Well, he says it doesn't have to be like dancing and singing and shit. So I anyway, I, I've got to look at what he's doing, but he says there's opportunity there. And at the same time, as much as I joke about it, eh, you know, maybe we shouldn't get boxed into thinking, oh, that's not cool. And at the very least, I'm going to take a look and see. I don't that. think anyone's saying TikTok. It's just the older adults saying that. <laughs> Like it's obviously cool. It blew the fuck up. I can see Robert and your clientele 
older adults probably not being the demographic. Probably not. So. Oh, I, I'll, I'll say this. I have a client that like, I don't know, she's like 60 and she does it with her grandchildren. And they're the funniest fucking videos. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. It was the they're very smart. And so when they put, when they put logic and like humor into it, like real humor, like they, they can be really good at it. I don't know. Like I, I'm going to fight that one. Cause I've seen, I've seen what adults can do in it. It's just, it's not a big thing yet. Well, I just love, this is a totally different topic, but I, I love that guy who gets his grandma and does comedy skits with her. And she's just like, anything goes. Yeah. If anybody's seen it, you know what I'm talking about, right? Old granny, she's amazing. Robert, just if you can find like young guy and his grandma. Like, okay. No, don't okay. search that. Don't <laughs> search that. <laughs> you don't tell people to search that. I'm not going to get anything good. <laughs> anyway, so I got to peace up, Robert. It's been amazing having you. Uh, Thank we, you, guys. Almost went up uh, actually tomorrow. So yeah. you got it pretty much uh, right away. Cool. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.